0: University, the voice of Reichman University. The
1: Baseline, stories from the court with Jonathan Rears and Mayor Cohen. Welcome back to The Baseline. We've got episode six here today. Uh, we've got an amazing guest with us live on Zoom we're here with Tamir Goodman. So for those who don't know, uh, Tamir is uh, an accomplished basketball player who started playing basketball in Maryland. Um, at a point, was ranked top 25 players in the entire country. Um, you know, hopefully you've all heard the tagline, the Jewish Jordan that we have for, uh, for Tamir. Um, you know, you had a lot of opportunities after your high school ball, an opportunity to play at University of Maryland, um, which, you know, I, you ultimately turned down a lot of uh, to do with Religious purposes, in terms of you want to keep Shabbat. You played a little bit at Townsend University, um, and then you came to Israel to play in 2002. Uh, you played for a bunch of teams, including uh, the IDF, which is which is interesting, a bit of a twist, which is really cool. And you've been a lot of experience, and you've uh, just battled through a lot in your in your basketball career. And we were really really excited to do this interview with you. Our goal as a podcast is you know just bring a little bit of life to the to the basketball scene here in Israel for Americans who like to get into it, whether it's the Israeli league, whether it's interviewing players uh, like you who have amazing careers. So first of all, again, just thank you very much. You have an impressive resume and we're we're just happy to have you on the show. Really
0: appreciate it. Uh, Thank you guys. Thanks uh, for thinking of me and um, call a couple on your initiative here.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. So, you know, we're just going to get really quick started into it with the the million dollar question that I'm sure you've you've answered a hundred thousand times. But uh, just for us, like sprinkle a little magic on it for us one more time. So obviously, we both know we both have our experiences playing high school basketball, but a little different for you, kind of turning into a bit of a sensation. Obviously, you 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 managed to achieve that Jewish Jordan status, but I just want a little bit just just to start, um, just to get a little bit of a into your career and into your life as a, as a kid. How were you able to you know take that attention and take that? power that you've got with that name on the court, and how are you able to fuel it into uh, powering your play and really just motivating yourself to be the best basketball player you could be?
0: Well, I fell in love with the game when I was nine years old, and I looked at my hands one day in the backyard while I was training, and I said, I want to show the world that I could get a Division One scholarship without playing on Shabbat and a professional basketball contract without playing on Shabbat. So from day one, it really wasn't about me. It was about a mission. It wasn't just about me. It was about doing it for something bigger than myself. And that gave me a lot of extra motivation. I play varsity in seventh grade, um, for my local high school team. Wow. Um, and I started in eighth grade, but then towards the end of eighth grade, the uh, rabbi of the school that I was going to, one of the rabbis was like, look, you know, you're really, how are you really like, really, what are you going to accomplish with basketball? Like, it's not really going to be possible with Shabbat and everything. So maybe you should stop playing. So he's like, maybe Hashem doesn't want you to play basketball. So I listened to him, and I stopped playing basketball in ninth grade. And I went to yeshiva. I went to this yeshiva in Pittsburgh, a Chabad yeshiva, kind of like with the idea of you know, giving up on basketball because Hashem doesn't want me to play basketball. I sit down in the first class, and the rabbi uh, in Chabad, they study Torah before they pray. Most schools, you just pray right away. Chabad, they first they study Torah. So we get in there on the first day, 7.30 in the morning, open up the books, and we're learning this uh, Torah class and says that, like, Hashem gives everybody in this world a special mission. And everyone has their own unique talents and blessings. And you try to have to – our job is to, like, create a better world, uplift things, uh, create more spirituality through physicality, and everyone has their unique way of doing it. Hashem gives everyone their unique skill set. To do that—that's our mission in this world. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So I'm like, why am I quitting basketball? So I should—you know—I have to play basketball, but I have to play for Hashem. So I called up my mother and I was like, I'm out of here. I want to go back home, play ball, play for Hashem. And she's like, No, you can't. You made a commitment. You got to stay till the end of the year. So stay till the end of the year, and then you can do whatever you want next year. But you made a commitment. So then I called up a little bit later in the year, I called up my coach who raised me and I was like, coach, can I come back to Baltimore and play next year? And he was like, look, if you come back, I was, this is before cell phones. I'm on the, I'm on the pay phone on the yeshiva. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like, if you come back, um, I'm going to paint your name on the baseline. That's what he told me. If you come back to play, I'm going to paint your name. He basically saying like, I got a spot. It's like LeBron returning <laughs> so, to Cleveland. Yeah. So I. I was very excited about that and I just started training like crazy getting ready for 10th grade um and then tenth, and at the end of 10th grade people started to find out a little bit about me and uh, the summer of, after 10th grade going into 11th is where my life changed because I got invited to my first invitational camp I had, ended up doing really well there and by the time that camp was over I already had seven division 1 offers wow wow so that, it, it started by um, wanting to play for something higher than myself, then having to cancel all that out and go to yeshiva to even learn what that meant, even on a higher level, what does it mean to play for something higher than yourself? And I think like, once you do that with anything in life, especially in sports, you have a ma- massive advantage because you're always extra motivated or fired up. Like maybe a player would want to mm. take a day off. I couldn't take a day off because...
2: You're playing for something bigger
0: than playing something bigger than yourself. Or if you mess up, you got to pick yourself up quickly. You can't feel yeah. bad for yourself. So it's really powerful. It, it gave me a lot of yeah. It was everything. It gave me like a, a blueprint.
2: So like that being known, being known as this Jewish Jordan, and wearing a kippa when you play. Did you ever experience any anti-Semitism on the basketball court?
0: I definitely did, um, but. You know, there were a lot of, you know, challenges, different arenas, different things playing, especially in college. But um, for the most part, I can't say that it didn't. I definitely experienced anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah. Like, I definitely did. Like, a lot of times my my room was, I get back to my room, it was thrown down on the floor. Cool. Stuff out of my locker was stolen. Our, you know, fans at different arenas would say. This is you from know, people from your own fans. school? I don't know who was doing it, but. It was happening. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, especially at away games, some bad things happen, but for the overwhelmingly most part, like my guys, my teammates, my coaches, they were closer than brothers until today, closer than brothers in in real life. Um, even at that first camp I was telling you about, uh, when I, my first invitational camp, there was a group of, um, guys from Baltimore that were invited. So it was like me, melvin scott who ended up playing at north carolina i think he won a championship with them uh keith jennifer who ended up playing at university of virginia um and we had like a group of baltimore guys there and one night i was running out of kosher food so we just went to like a local gas station try to see if there's anything kosher there and uh somebody at the gas station started messing with me saying things about jewish people and all the american guys none of them are jewish uh the baltimore guys just blocked me off in between them and the anti-Semitic person and said, don't even start with our Jewish guy here, right? Don't even, don't even start with it. like, we love this guy. And so that for the most part, my whole career was like that. And a big part of what I do today is also bringing cultures together because I believe that basketball is a great unifier. So there were some negative things, but my teammates were always amazing. And also, um, a lot of times when I proved myself and overcame the initial anti-Semitic remarks and I showed that I was still a proud Jew, uh, a lot of times, even people that were negative to me, especially fans and stuff, they would like apologize to me after the game, things like that. So uh-huh. I think it's important to stay, right. stay proud. Yeah, they
1: they saw you play and they realized that you know they had to, uh, they didn't, they needed to.
2: <laughs>
0: you shut them up basically.
1: Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. backing up a little bit, talking about your uh, your high school career. So you know, was there a point where you have this this name and this kind of brand behind you, and did you feel like you just spoke about how basketball can be a unifier? So in high school, when you were you know. A bit of a sensation and you had a lot of people paying attention to you. So how did, how did you handle that as a young kid, as a high schooler? You know, the pressure and, and the attention. I mean, I think if there was social media at like at the peak of that, like as it is today, would have probably been a lot more challenging because of what probably would have been a lot of negativity or a lot of positivity. So what exactly did you use and how did you, you know, funnel that that spotlight into your into your play?
0: Well, a lot of things. I always say, Thank God I grew up in Baltimore because I had the best family the best community and the best coach, my coach raised me my whole life. I'm still, I still talk to my coach probably once or twice a day. I've met him when I was six years old. So that was like a really big miracle. Um, and I know that he protected me from a lot of things that I didn't need to know about. But again, it was about playing for Hashem and something bigger than myself. So, um, I don't know if you saw the movie air that just came out. Mm -hmm. So like Sonny Vaccaro, who the movie's about, uh, who the guy who brought Michael Jordan to um to Nike, like after that all happened, he went over to Adidas and brought Kobe Bryant to Adidas. And I actually played for him at his camp uh during that time period. Oh wow. Um so I got to experience all that. I played for Nike NBA camp, Nike Adidas with Sonny Vaccaro. Like I, you know, all, all played against that, you know, all has got to experience it all. Um but again, because it was never about me, it was always about trying to do something bigger than myself. It allowed me to as much as possible handle the situation I think pretty well um, obviously, oh you know made a lot of a lot of challenges too, a lot of mistakes too. but uh, for the most part, um I think the key was you know trying to play fresh out that was right. like the
2: what's it like what's it like seeing a guy like uh Ryan Terrell come up and also do something similar to you? playing for something higher than himself and wearing a keeper. Yeah, on the I think,
0: think that is is really beautiful to see. And I think everyone in their own way has their unique way of doing it. That's each person's job. You guys through media, you know, BD through running, Ryan through basketball, everyone has their unique way of doing it. And I think like uh, we're living in a special time because the world's a little bit more sensitive to that and accommodating and, understanding of different people's cultures and things like that. So I think it's really beautiful to see.
1: Right. So speaking of uh, other people's cultures, did you have people that you had been playing with and had a little bit of experience with when you ultimately decided not to play University of Maryland? Did you have people that maybe weren't Jewish be, like being kind of amazed by your faith and the fact that you wouldn't accept this offer in the place where you grew up because of the reason that you didn't want to play on Shabbat?
0: Yeah, for the most part, it was, it was, um, It was pretty positive. I mean, University of Maryland is like, especially back then, they won the national championship. You know, they were, it was pretty, you know, to say no. Yeah, to say no, like, especially when I grew up in Maryland, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on. But um, (laughs) one person who was, you know, very, uh, I guess, accommodating or respected me or helped me a lot was a guy named Michael Sweetney who ended up playing for the Knicks.
2: He was an assistant coach at YU, right?
0: Yeah. So the way he got that job was, um, when I was, uh, when we were in high school, he was Mr. Basketball in DC. He was so good that coach John Thompson, the legendary coach from Georgetown, he gave Mike a con- uh, scholarship when he was in ninth grade. He was 14. Wow. He already offered him. <laughs> wow. And then when we were, when we were seniors, we got invited to play in this all-star game called the, called the Capitol classic all-star games, prestigious all-star game. And on the first day of after practice, like they were coaches like partner shoot. And I could see that not everyone wanted to be my partner really type of thing, like because of the Maryland thing and because of who I just was so different and everything was just crazy back then. And Mike was like, Hey, you could be my partner. And we ended up being, uh, partners that day, shooting partners, we trained to get, we trained for a week together. And then on the day of the game, we played really well together. I ended up winning the MVP of that game because basically because of him, he would just get the rebound outlet to me and we were out and, um, uh, we stayed in touch, dear friends, you know, like brothers till today. And then, um, when he told me some of the challenges that happened to him after playing in the NBA, and then he went to get into coaching, I was able to connect him with YU, and he's still there. And we're actually speaking tomorrow together on a panel in New oh, York wow. for the Jerusalem, Jerusalem post conference. And it all, all started back in high school. Wow. From that one moment where he was willing to be my shooting partner.
2: Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: That's, that's really amazing. I mean, that's just very impressive. And the connection that you still have with him is really great. Um, so I was actually, when I was going through your career and and some amazing things that you did and were able to accomplish, um, obviously right here in Israel, we wanted, we want to talk as much as we can about the basketball game here in Israel. So when you came over and you came across overseas to, to play here in Israel, was it, at least anything at the very beginning in your experiences at the beginning was anything like you expected? Was it significantly different? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the, the insight you had to when you first arrived here to play?
0: When I first arrived, uh, it was, for me, it was just like mayhem because I signed with Maccabi Tel Aviv and coach David Blatt, the legendary coach, you know, he brought me over here. Moni Fanon of legendary, uh, General manager from Akabi picked me up at the airport straight to a um, um, press conference. I mean, it was just, I i went to the Kotal. There was everyone, it, it's hard to even imagine, like, how many people, I could, could not take a step on the street anywhere in Israel. Um, it was, I met with the president. It, it was crazy. It was just so crazy. Um, but for me, like, my main thing were, like, in my contract, I was never going to play on Shabbat. And also, I wanted to live with my grandmother, who was a Holocaust survivor. She was like my hero. She lived in Herzliya. Wow. So, once I got those two things locked down—that I knew I could live with her at her apartment—and knew that I would not have to play on Shabbat and I'd be playing professional basketball in Israel—it was—it was great. Um, another big, you know, takeaway for me is now I see there's like more Americans that come to play in Israel, Jewish Americans, and it's more of an option now for people, which is great to see. When I got here. I don't think there was one other one in the league at the time wow. when I first got here. So Tal Brody, who was the legendary, right. first, I guess, American to come over. He, my first year in Israel, he invited me over to light conical Candles at his house. Wow. And that was like a nice moment for me that he kind of took me on, under his wing a little bit and welcomed me to Israel. That was a nice moment for me. And until today, we're very close. Until today, I try to do that now to all the American players that come over. I try to you know, be there for them, too. So. So and that was a nice moment. Um, well, we read
2: uh, that you had a few injuries and a little bit of setbacks. How did they kind of shape your perspective on uh, perseverance and resilience playing ball?
0: Yeah. So i <laughs> been through a lot in my life. I had a really hard challenge before I came over to Israel with an anti-Semitic coach. Um, but I picked myself up from that. I came to Israel, um, got here, got traded, and then, I had a pretty good rookie year after everything I've been through. It was pretty good. I got invited to the dunk contest um, for the all-star weekend here in Israel. And um, I missed all three of my dunks in my rookie year. And they were all dunks that I had never, ever, ever missed, like ever since 16, since like set high school. And here I am like missing them. And after the dunk contest, I was like, man, I can't believe I missed those dunks. I need to like get myself – like I need to even get stronger. So like when in the reaping I was pushing myself so much and I pushed myself already so much, but I didn't realize that really, there was already something really wrong with my knee. And Mm. that's why I missed the dunks. And it didn't even cross my mind that that was the issue. And then when I pushed myself even more, I basically like destroyed my knee. And, um, I, I fought for seven more years to come back and I kept on getting contracts, but I did every surgery, every rehab, pushed myself to tears every day, but unfortunately, my knee, my knee never healed. I'm 41 now; it's still never healed. So, um, I'm proud that I never gave up, and then I, I did everything possible to get back out there, and I think that helped shape me to answer your question with sensitivity, because it's almost like I lost everything I was working for right when I was at the height of it, right when I reached my goal, it got taken away from me. So that made me a lot more sensitive and a lot more creative, and a lot of what I do today I would have never been able to do had I not lost my knee. I think I understand my mission in this world much more too through the knee injury. Like I wouldn't have gotten hurt. Maybe statistically my career would have been much better, but I don't think my, I would have reached my potential as much as a person of what Hashem is expecting me to, to do in this world. And, you know, ultimately I look back and it's like, I, you know, the main point, yeah, I got to like do some cool things on the court, thank God. But ultimately like I think my main thing is, like, what am I going to do with the sensitivity and creativity that I learned specifically through losing my dream instead of what I actually got to accomplish is what uh, fuels me and uh, guides me on my day-to-day till today.
2: Do you like to um, kind of guide the same perspective when you coach other young youths? I actually, I know Zev Reamer, um I played with him in high school a bit. I know you guys trained last year. Um, so how do you kind of, like, Put this perspective of playing for a higher level while playing basketball um, into these young youths today?
0: Yeah, I, I try, everything I went through, I feel like I went through so that I could help the next generation of players. I love coaching. I'm still on the court, you know, always with the next generation of players. And I try to give them everything that I learned so that it could be as smooth as possible for them and then they could, you know, do it in a very happy and meaningful way, in a successful way. And I think that, like, Judaism gives you the perfect balance for that as a basketball player. Otherwise you just Sometimes you get too carried away with just the basketball and you could get burnt out and, or not be well balanced. Like, look at Joker. I, he, he was so great the other day. I don't know if you saw the interview. They asked him, they're like, Hey, what have you done to prepare for the finals? He just gave such a great answer. He's like, I'm spending time with my family. Like, I thought that, that was like, great. Like, I was just like, he's like, well balanced. You gotta be well balanced. Like when you're on the court, you got to give a million percent, but like you gotta be able to like, you know, like the Rambam says, have a good balance in life. You know, be be mindful of what you're doing throughout the day. So, yeah, wow. Judaism is a great advantage in that sense.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, I think it's it's definitely a blessing for you to be able to have that perspective. And a lot of athletes, you know, you can tell a lot a lot of times in our careers they lose that perspective and they and have a little bit of a struggle with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And for you to you know, <clears throat> for you to acknowledge that you know you're playing for Hashem and you're playing for something higher up is you know obviously amazing. And the kiddush Hashem that you made just as a being as, as good of a ball player as you were and, and spreading that as a, you know, influencing kids to be better and influencing other people and teaching them about, you know, just Judaism and, and, and fear, your faith as a whole is, is something really cool and was just a, a huge reason why we, we were so excited to get you on. It's, it's just really amazing to see that the impact. Um, you were able to have uh, worldwide like here in Israel a lot of people we talk about just basketball here and basketball in, in the us and we 're able to thank God with, with this platform bring as many people as we can to talk about it and but we also just like to talk about growing the game in Israel in general right. so we are you know big fans of, of the winter league here which is the, which is the top league here in Israel that right we try to talk to as much players as we can and how the sport is growing in Israel as a whole because we 're super interested in that and we want to as, as you know, as much as we can, we want to be even a little part of, of, of a little bit of the excitement of the game here in Israel. So since you came um, in two, which is a very long time ago, and how it, it like has changed the kind of the trajectory of basketball here in Israel, can I ask you, what, what, what have you noticed about the basketball culture here that today it's everywhere and you know that Israelis love the game and they love to play it, they love to talk about it. So how have you noticed that the what the attitude towards basketball has changed in the past 20, 20 odd years?
0: yeah so uh when i came over and i initially played here like my parents and family couldn't even watch a game like that's how far back the technology was like they had no chance i would have to either get the vhs and send it to them or who knows what um like i said there was barely any jewish americans that came over to play or even thought about doing it and i ultimately played about seven years um through all the injuries and i've been front office or involved, you know, at the professional level of, you know, mostly with Apple Jerusalem for the last 10 years. I also did about two and a half, three years with Gavi Haifa back when they uh, were an elite team. Um, so I have a lot of experience, and I think the way that it's ultimately changed is technology is amazing, which, which has made Israel a more attractive place, more players see what's going on, more accessible, able to find new players and bring them over here um, very sought-after place to play. Um, there's more general managers from the NBA. I work very close with the NBA on a lot of sports tech stuff that I'm involved in. Everybody knows about Israel now. There's always GMs coming over here at the games, um, and I think you know Israel just as innovative as it is. You know Israel was the first professional league to come back um, from. From even before the NBA went in the bubble, Israel was the first league to come back and complete their season during the pandemic out of any professional league in the world. Like Israel is like cutting edge. Israel's a, a leader in, in so many areas for such a small country. And it's also, I think, a leader in in professional basketball and how to, how to run a successful league. I mean, look at the sponsors that are involved at in the league now. Look at the people that are buying teams, that are involved with teams. There's so much excitement. And you know, I, I just feel like the more... Cutting edge and world class technology we could bring to this league, the more sponsors, um, and money we could pump into this league as well, which will ultimately bring even, you know, more talent, more recognition to Israel in a positive way, and accomplish even better stuff out there. So it's yeah. exciting to see. And uh,
2: I wanted to ask you, how have you been able to kind of um, like put basketball and work together and make? This uh, new product that you have, the AvivNet, how do you uh, kind of think about that?
0: Yeah, everything for me stems from giving back. And again, the same source of trying to do things for higher cause and help. And during the pandemic, we got an email that said, uh, can't pass basketball because there's bacteria on the ball. I was like, we got to do something about this game that I love. And I said, well, why don't we create a net that's antimicrobial and moisture-wicking? This ball's been slippery for many years. It's hard to play with a slippery ball. I'm like, well, there's materials that could dry the ball quicker, like high-performance materials. No one wears a regular jersey anymore. Everyone, serious player, is going to wear like a high-performance, moisture-wicking shirt, right? Right,
2: right,
0: yeah. Why are we still using the same net from 100 years ago? nylon net or whatever so in israel they have world leaders in fabrics and materials so we were able to make a net that drives the ball 11 times more than a standard net and also it's made out of antimicrobial materials plus you could advertise on the net or customized net so that's been really fun and again israel's the first league in the world to have in-game advertising on the net bank mizrahi was featured on the net in games and now it's starting to get to leagues outside of Israel. We just in Europe and hopefully in America now too. So uh, it's it's been great. And it all stems from wanting to help players stay safer oh. and allow them to play better. Um, also worked for Fabric, which is uh unbelievable fan engagement technology. Uh, we did a lot of great work with the NBA at All Star Weekend um, awesome. and the uh, last uh, preseason uh, Summer League in Vegas. So also just the technology that's helping to bring people together and help and do good things. So it, it, it all stems from like, you know, Judaism teaches us that like you save one person, you save the whole world. It's not just yeah. physically, like my day to day is just in between from the second I signed on the air and another to another call. I just, to this link that you gave me, someone from Italy just reached out to me about helping that. Like my whole, a lot a big part of my day is just helping just helping through sports, you know, love, love. that's what it's all about.
2: Right. That. We need those nets at our pickup games because we got a lot of sweaty guys and the ball gets very wet. Yeah. So,
1: exactly, yeah. we'll get some. So, obviously, you, as as you mentioned, you are amazing at this and, and spreading the message that you want to spread to a lot of basketball players uh, and Jews players in particular, and just about um, faith and oneness. So, let's just get you know the the clip from you. You want to. Um, obviously bring people together together as much as possible and then we spoke about here before we already like went into the the league here in Israel so we've had a few a few players on and we've talked to them about what do they find different about the league here in Israel as opposed to you know playing in France or playing in Italy and a lot of them are mentioning how it's very fam- family oriented here in Israel and and the the games can they have a lot of you know influence on on the kids here and they have a lot of you know, experience working with them, and they know that the impact that they're making, even just as players, is amazing, and is and is influencing these kids. Right,
2: they feel so, it firsthand.
1: Right, that's a lot of them said that they can really feel the the family impact of playing here in Israel. So, you know, as you're as you just your message, what would you like to say, you know, to someone who maybe doesn't understand how what we see and like, maybe just as fans, but as also people who love the game of basketball and want to bring people together, you know, what's what's just the straight up message that you can that you can put out there, just to say. Here's the game and here's here's how it can bring you together and here's how it can help everybody improve and just, you know, promote inclusion and, and have everybody have a good time together.
0: Yeah, I just I don't know if there's been a platform that's proved itself more than basketball over the years. Um, yesterday on Friday before Shabbat, I did a clinic for special needs kids. It brought the entire community together, coaching special needs kids. We I do clinics around the world for African American and Jewish kids. It brings kids together and like there's instant results. The kids exchange phone numbers and stay in touch. They would have never been friends or probably never met had it not been for basketball. And now they have lifelong relationships like it. It's a universal game and it, the holiness, the Judaism always tells us, look for the holiness behind it. The holiness of basketball is it can unite people. It brings people together. That's what the holiness of this game is, and that's what I try to do. I'm I'm an observant Jew that graduated from dominant African American Christian School, and then I room with a Muslim basketball player in college, and we're all closer than brothers till today. Um, You know, like my teammates at the Christian school, you know, one of them is Brian Wright. He's now the GM of San Antonio Spurs. The other one, yeah, is uh, uh, Tony Skin. I don't know if you saw that very, very famous video of someone making James Harden do a split in the Olympics and then dunking. That was my teammate, Tony Skin, who's oh, now wow. a Division One coach. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so, like, it's a small world, basketball world, but the great, the greatest impact that we have is, like, the small community of basketball helping other people, bringing people together, doing good through the game, and I think that's ultimately what we're supposed to be doing.
1: That's amazing, yeah. That's and, awesome. and, you know, we know that's your message, and it is just something amazing that we want to just have everybody in the world here if, if they could, you know, just how powerful it is bringing people together um, through the game of basketball and we are, of course, huge fans of you and of the message and, you know, we want to help it as, as little as much as we can just to help promote that message and, and we're right. huge fans of it. So, uh, I just...
2: Really, really appreciate you coming on. We want to ask yeah. you
1: a few more things before we wrap up. Just a few little personal questions. We want to get to know you a little bit better. We did a segment here last week with John and I. We want to... Just give us really quick. We want to hear your top two or three you know, basketball movies. We want, to, we want to hear that. We had a bit of an argument last week, and we want to know what are you thinking. I think he's going to
2: say one of mine, actually. Let's see. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think I, I liked Air a lot, even though it just came out. Right. It was very, very good. Um, uh, I would say my favorite sports movie, and it's not basketball, but sports movie is Rudy, though. Rudy yeah, Rudy, yeah. Rudy's a great movie. movie. Rudy is a movie that, like, I lived with and I still live with, and kind of like, so like felt very close to that story, um, in a lot of ways, in my own on my own journey. I, I would say Rudy, wow. and also Air. I think they're similar because it's like the same thing of like, you got like no chance of actually doing this, and but you you just you end up doing it. You
2: accomplish <laughs> it. Just kind of like your uh, story in it. It's very exactly. inspiring, and it's not the first yeah. time I heard your story. Actually, I was uh, one of those students that you talked to in my back in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Boston. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So awesome, yeah. appreciate you for coming there. I appreciate you for coming on. Really loved thank hearing you, your story. Um, keep inspiring the world, the Jewish world, the whole world, the basketball world, um, and thank you again. It's
0: uh, thank you guys. It was it was a nice pleasure to talk you.
1: to you. You really are uh, you bye, know an inspiration to a lot of people.
0: Bye, so, how was your work, guys. Thank Look you forward to so being in much. touch. Yeah, thank you very much. Enjoy thank your you day. Have a great day. Thank
2: you. You too. All right. All right. So that was awesome. Uh, we had Tamir on. Um, Air, which was a great movie. Right. I Rudy, feel like that was the favorite. I was thinking about Rudy, actually. My dad actually showed me Rudy. That was That's a good movie. That's a football movie. movie. Football movie. Football yeah, movie. Notre Dame.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We did what we didn't get to Tamir was we wanted to get his finals predictions, which we kinda we missed on that. And we know we ended last episode, we spoke a lot of of playoff talk, but we kinda left off on game Game six. six. So we want to just Ah. add a little bit of this episode at the end. Obviously we want our listeners to be able to listen to this episode whenever. So we don't want to have too much current day basketball talk. (laughs) But Celtics unfortunately losing game seven. Unfortunately. Which was tough for my Betty John over here. I
2: watched the game.
1: Not worth Mm, staying up. Brutal.
2: Bruto, I was up till like six, seven a.m., and we just couldn't get it. Not very much. Uh, mercy. Tatum rolled his ankle in the first play. What do you want us to do? I, it sounds like our an excuse. best player, best player.
1: I will say that it doesn't seem like they're being very thoughtful of European fans. You know, you always see they want to grow the game. Yeah, they're having every game at three o'clock in the morning, which is tough. Right. So, real quick, John, we're now one game into the, the NBA Finals. We've got Denver up one zero. Um I had said last episode I think Denver and 6 what's what's your what's your quick prediction?
2: I still think that the Nuggets are going to win. Right. I said the Celtics move on will win cuz I'm a Celtics fan. But now that the Heat won, I say Nuggets and 5.
1: All right. Well, we got Nuggets and 5, Nuggets and 6. Um
2: they're going to win at home.
1: We will keep you updated and well we've another thing we've got you updated on is some great episodes that we have coming. Next, for you, please stay tuned. Tamir yep. was a great talk. We, uh, we just love talking about him and that message that he really. His
2: message is so beautiful. He's just like playing for something that's bigger than you. It, when you're down on yourself, we hear these guys who come from America and they're here alone. And when you're playing for something that's bigger than you, it's like it gives you that push to keep going. And you can see that seven years he was going through an injury, mm-hmm. he still played through seven years. It's very powerful.
1: Yeah, he he's an amazing guy and he speaks a lot at uh just spreading the message whenever he could which is obviously we were lucky enough that he was able to come and speak to us but we're just big fans of him in general and, and the message he he puts out there so with that we're gonna wrap up this episode of The Baseline this was episode 6 yes, we've sir. got episode seven, eight, nine on the way lots of exciting interviews so from Audioversity this is The Baseline the Baseline we are signing off find our podcast on Spotify find our podcast on Apple Podcasts we are there we are ready we are going to pump out some great content with you guys yes sir Stay tuned to our socials. We appreciate you all for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip. The Baseline. Stories from the Court. With Jonathan Rears and Mayor Cohen. All our shows and podcasts available online, on our website, and on all podcast platforms.
2: Search Audioversity.